Corinth is still dealing with Paul's defense and the accusations of these intruders, and we see some more of them. So, uh, would somebody read 2 Corinthians 12, 14 to 21? about that, that tells me he's been there twice. And uh, we only have the record of the one visit in Acts 18, but I think to say this, it has to mean that there was another visit at some point in time. He will say that again in 13.1. And so uh, he's about ready to come for this third visit, and he's not going to be a burden to them. That is, he's not going to take their money. That's that. He wants something from them, but not their money. He wants their hearts. He wants them to serve the Lord. And he's not going to change that policy in contrast with those intruders who wanted nothing more than their money. Uh, He says, you know, it's a matter of our relationship. Children don't, you know, save up for their parents, parents for their children. So, you know, it, it doesn't feel like it's appropriate. He, he, he has a parent-child relationship with them, and, and he's just not going to let them, you know, pay for it. Can you imagine, you've got a 10-year-old that you go out to eat and he insists, no, I'm going to pay for your dinner. Hmm. You know, I'm going to pay the light bill. Now, I'm okay with teenagers uh, helping out at home financially. But you take an 8 or 10 year old, you think about that, and they're like, no, let me, I'll, I'll, I'll pay for this. Yeah. You know, that's probably not the kind of relationship you want at that point. And Paul feels like that with the Corinthians. He really doesn't want them to pay him. He wants to take care of them. He says, I will most gladly spend and be expended. For your souls. You appreciate that idea. He spent himself for them. His energy, his health, his emotions, his reputation. And, and, he, and he says, if I love you more, am I to be loved less? It's like the more he did for them, the more he loved them, the more he showed them his concern, the more they were standoffish and rejecting and, you know, kind of keeping away from him. That's, that's sad, isn't it? And then, 
He says, be that as it may, I didn't burden you myself. Nevertheless, crafty fellow that I am, I took you in by deceit. Well, you understand he is uh, speaking again in irony here. That's what he's being accused of. Now, here's what I think is going on with that. Just think about what the false teachers were saying. Paul says he's self-supporting. <laughs> he says he's not going to take your money. Right. You know, he just looks that way. You know, but you don't really believe that he's doing all this stuff and not getting any money for it, do you really? You think he's doing that? No, I don't think so. You know about that collection? You know, I mean, you don't... He's not just doing this for his health. There's, there's, he's got his hand out there somewhere. You know, he's accepting some third-party kickbacks or he's slipping some money back in his back pocket. You know, that collection deal, that's a pretty convenient situation. And that way he looks like he's not taking anything from you when really, you know, he's got his hand on the till and helping himself. That's probably what they would have done if they'd have been taking up a collection like that. So they assume that in Paul. And uh, you know that mud-slinging idea, what politicians do? They just throw mud on their opponent. Some of the time, it, never, it doesn't stick. You know, there's, no, there's nothing to it, but it leaves that dirty place on the wall. You know, it, it leaves the people who hear that thinking, hmm, wondering, do you suppose he is getting, what, maybe, well, I don't know. You know, it's always, you know, false accusations and rumors really damage people's credibility, even when they're unproven. Because you're always like, eh. And you know how the politicians do. They just keep harping on it. You say it long enough and loud enough and strong enough, people start believing it. It, it, it. You know, you really, the politicians are just masters of that. And you see what happens with that. I mean, every once in a while, you catch them in just absolutely a bold place lie. But they say it so strong and so long and so earnestly the people come to believe it even when it's absolutely wrong. So I think these false teachers could keep insinuating and keep insinuating. And, and pretty soon it's like, well, I don't know. Ah, it's infuriating. You know, so Paul, you know, it's really hard to refute a vague, general, nebulous accusation. So Paul says... You know, I haven't taken advantage of you through any of those in my stead, have I? Have I? I urge Titus to go. Titus didn't take advantage of you, did he? I think Paul's trying to get him to come up with specific charges. You know, who is it? You know, if, if you're saying I'm taking the money, is it from Titus? Well, what, you know, give me some specifics here. Put some meat on the bones of this accusation if you've got any evidence. Or stop the slander. So Paul's willing to stake his reputation on Titus' character. Say, okay, is it Titus? You think he's really giving me money? You know, through the back door, so to speak? But again, I am amazed Paul doesn't just blow his top and say, I've had it. Good enough. You just keep your false teachers and get out of my life. He doesn't do that. He cares about him enough to even when he's being so unfairly and unjustly attacked, he still loves them. And you learn a lot about rumors on this. Isn't it amazing what rumors can get out? I mean, sometimes there is not one single iota 
of truth in it. You know, we tend to say, well, there's smoke, there's fire. You know, if there's room floating around, there's got to be something there. Maybe it's not exactly that, but you know, they probably did something. Not necessarily. You think about the rumors that must have gone around about Joseph in Egypt. So was there a little something there? You know, maybe he didn't talk, you know, but he was, yeah. No, nothing. So rumors are rumors. We ought not put credibility in them unless there's evidence to support them. But they'll happen and you'll get rumors going on you. And there'll be things sometime, somewhere along the line, they'll say about you. And it'll be discouraging. It'll be really provoke you to anger. It'll be really unfair. It'll be totally unjustified. And what do we do? I'm done. No. You keep loving and serving and caring and serving the Lord. And that's a challenge. Now, Paul said, you think I'm defending myself. But really, what Paul was doing wasn't really designed to be self-defense or self-promotion. He says, really, in the sight of God, we've been speaking in Christ and all for your upbuilding, beloved. He's really just trying to build them up and he's worried about the bad influence of the false teachers on them. That's why he's doing this. It's not really so much that he cares what they think about him, but unfortunately as they reject him, they're rejecting the gospel. And so that's why he's doing this. He's really doing it for their upbuilding. When it's all said and done, who cares what people think about us? In itself, does it really matter? I mean, it's certainly not going to have any impact on the damn judgment. God doesn't care what people think about me. What do they think about Jesus? What do they think about him? So, you know, the only reason to defend yourself is when in doing that, you're actually helping somebody else. For the rest of it, forget it. You know, they can say what they want to. If they called the head of the house Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? We don't need to get all bent out of shape because somebody, you know, doesn't, uh, doesn't trust us. But in this case, Paul felt like he needed to defend himself for them to be built up. He's worried that when he comes there, he's going to find this strife and jealousy and angry tempers and disputes and slanders and gossip and arrogance and disturbances. It's interesting and sad how much the church furnishes an opportunity for selfishness and pride and politics. You know, and, and he's just worried that he's going to come and he'll see these sins of self-will and also the impurity and the immorality and the sensuality that they want to repent of. He's just concerned about them. He feels a sense of responsibility for their behavior. And so he's, he hopes they will have repented, but, but it concerns him that when he comes, their attitudes will not have been improved like they should have. Thoughts and comments on, on this chapter? David. Yes. I think that's what the opponents were saying. I think they're saying, oh yeah, he's not taking your money, but he is by deceitful, underhanded methods. You know, because he's taken up this collection and he says it's going to the poor saints in Jerusalem. But you don't really believe that he's doing all this stuff with you and not getting any money for it. He's just not honest about how he's getting the money. I think that's what they're saying. I would blow my top if I were him. 
You think about how unselfish he really was. And that's their accusation. Wow. It would be infuriating. I mean, if he was just not doing it, but he didn't care so much about them, it would still be bad. But with all of the incredible love he's shown them, and then to be accused like that, wow. Other thoughts? Right, we're ready. Yeah, good point. Does our life look more like the list of Paul's sufferings in chapter 11 or these bad attitudes in chapter 12? Good question. Jason. I think so. I think he said, you know, I heard Titus go ahead and send this brother with him. Titus didn't take any advantage of you, did he? And aren't we walking like Titus did? They respect Titus. So he's like saying, okay, now if you're, if they're saying, I'm taking this money, how am I taking the money? Are you saying Titus is giving it to me? Titus is being designed. What are you saying? It's easy to generally say, yeah, you know Paul's getting some money from that. Well, what would that mean? You're saying that Titus is not really being honorable in taking this money? I, I think so. I think he's trying to say, you know, be more specific. How would I get a hold of the money? Do you really think Titus is corrupt? So I think he's almost staking his reputation on Titus. Thoughts? No, I don't think so, but I assume Titus may be the one who's taking it, and so they're envisioning that this is what Paul's going to do, maybe was doing with other collections. You know, when you get rumors and accusations, they may have said several things, but I was assuming that they're thinking that's what Paul's purposing, and that's what Titus is going to do. makes you wonder a little bit, could part of the reason they're having problems in giving in this collection, if this rumor's gotten around, that the money may not be going to the poor saints in Jerusalem when it's all said and done anyway? I don't know. Okay. Alright, uh, chapter 13, verses 1 to 10. 